Hello, hello, and welcome to Uniformed Handball Hour. This is Brian Campion speaking to you, and yet another episode coming to you from all over Europe, from Vienna, Copenhagen, and Gothenburg. How are you, boys? How are you, Brian? Doing well. How's the patient, Alex? It was a big topic in the last podcast. I mean, the fact that we, we delayed it for a whole day and then <laughs> you still couldn't make it. I'm still alive, you know, I, holding it together. You know, it's been tough. It has been really tough, but I, I think I'll make it through. What was the diagnosis in the end? Fat finger was the <laughs> diagnosis. So uh, I'm just out of my splint, but nothing broken, just a fat finger. You haven't played since then? I actually did play a game oh, nice. on the weekend, which I, t- I taped it up nice and well, and it felt really good during the game. Maybe my catching wasn't at the level it should have been or it could have been. And then the next day, my finger was twice the size. So I might lay low for a little while. Okay. <laughs> well, the season's coming to an end for us non-professionals in Scandinavia anyway. Uh, so... You did contribute a little bit besides a hilarious story to the podcast, also with your vote for the uh, Player of the Year 2021. I think we'll start there before we go into the uh, Champions League and European League action, which is flying in now, uh, because all the results have come flying in. Uh, you went for Nora Merck, which I'm glad you went for, because uh, Merck ended up a second place overall in our voting for the Women's Player of the Year? Yeah, I thought um, basically my reasoning for Henny Reistad was quite similar to my reasoning um, or against Henny Reistad was similar to my reasoning against Matthias Giesel where it was kind of Henny Reistad's peaks were absolutely incredible. But then she's not the starting line uh, back player for Norway. So can you give a substitute a World Player of the Year award. So we ended up with Henry Reisad anyway, which, which I'm okay with. But I thought Nora Merck had the consistency. She had a bit more consistency throughout the season um, in the Champions League, in the Championships. She was pretty much top scorer across the board. That is in, in large part due to penalties. But still, you know, uh, I, I don't, I'm not disappointed with Henry Reisad, who is the most exciting player in handball at the moment. I think you probably categorize Nora Mork in that category of player that almost suffers from her own level, the own level she plays at, that when she shows up in these lists, people are always thinking, oh yeah, of course. But she's just one of those players who's contis- consistently at such a high level that you almost take it for granted. And I think we're probably going to talk about that a little bit when we get into the the IHF's announcement. Uh, was it today? Today, yesterday. Yeah, today. That uh, when they named their... All Danish uh, IHF player and coaches of the year. So Denmark uh, sweeping through the awards. I- I'm sure, Alex, it's it's national news there. It's all, it's all over the radio and TV. It, it was actually. Oh, I was joking. <laughs> <laughs> I had a colleague who messaged me this morning being like, 
okay, this is rigged, right? So <laughs> <laughs> this can't be right. But they did get the clean sweep in the IHF awards, mm -hmm. which are, I think that confirms that they're fully fan vote, right? We weren't sure if it was a mix of a panel and fan vote or whatever, but seeing the results, I can only conclude that it is a fan vote. And I think this poll was shared on the um, national media in Denmark a couple of weeks ago or a couple of days ago over the last while shared on, I think, TV2, one of the big kind of websites uh, for news in the country. So it's quite easy for a lot of Danish fans to go in, click, ooh, Sandra Toft, definitely Women's Player of the Year. Ooh, Nikolai Jakobsen, he's a great dude. He loves a bit of pork. I love a bit of pork. He's going in as my national player. <laughs> and uh, the last coach. Yes, Jensen. Yes, Jensen, of course, is probably the only name I know on the, on the list. So I'll, I'll give him a, a vote. Pretty much made a mockery of the awards, I believe. Thank you for taking us into the psyche of the average Dane there. That was, uh, <laughs> that was extraordinary. What I find funny as well is the Handball Planet Player of the Year was Mikkel Hansen. So you've Mikkel Hansen, Matthias Giesel uh, from our side, and uh, the official one, Nicholas Landin. So three different Danes, all the World Handball Player of the Year. At the end of it all, I'm pretty happy with our choice. Yeah, so there's this kind of weird thing that happens with the Handball Planet Awards because they go position by position. So they don't actually vote for the best player, I believe, at least in the fan vote, which makes up a large portion of it. But they go position by position. And then the person who gets more votes, the most votes on that position becomes the player of the year. So... In essence, Miguel Gies, uh, sorry, Matthias Giesel had much tougher competition at right back with Tika Men or um, Alex Dushibayev in there compared to the left back position where Mikkel Hansen, I think Sagerson yeah. was second. And, you know, Sagerson had a good year, but not to the extent of um, competing with Mikkel Hansen. But I think, I think Mikkel Hansen, I don't think it's a wild choice. Um, that he is the player of the year for 21. If you disregard club handball completely, then yeah, of course he is. <laughs> <laughs> well, we had all these discussions uh, <laughs> in the actual vote. So. so we're saying now that it's conclusive after this that you cannot have a fan-only vote for these type of awards. Well, we, we did, and we got the results we wanted. <laughs> our, our, at least our listeners were influenced enough by us to agree I think let's say the fan vote can contribute to a panel so in essence what happened with the with our version of the women's player of the year for 2021 was there was yeah, pretty much three votes for Henny Reistad mm -hmm. and then two votes for Grassadi if you include uh, both of the playmaker contributors so in essence, that was a bit of a tiebreaker to mm. cut. So uh, I think in that way it works. That's the same way that Handball Planet do as well. They do have the experts to come in and uh, 
throw in their votes as well. Well, congratulations to Henry Reistat and Matthias Gilsel, the official, unofficial, uninformed handball player players of 2021, supporting the youth over here in the podcast. So on to the action. Shall we start with what we saw over the weekend and the first legs of the Women's Champions League last 16 or the, or the playoffs? And good old FTC, lads. <laughs> Just what it looks like. Everything is falling into place for them. Krim gets to sign Anna Gross out of nowhere. <laughs> that alone is even the most FTC thing to possibly happen to someone. Just as you think, or okay, we're the slight favourites in this tie now. Not, surely nothing can go wrong. It's almost like Mr. Bean. And then they sign the best player on the planet who all of a sudden has the best game of the season also when you play against them. That's just, it's absolutely sickening. I mean, FTC also did, did obviously get a player as well. They got Patrice Edvige as a defensive specialist. But of, of course, the impact that Anna Gross can, can have then getting a defensive specialist, you can't really, I think, you can't really uh, compare those two. Um, but it's uh, must be absolutely sickening to be an FTC FTC fan at the moment because thirty three twenty six, not looking good. Really, not looking good at the moment. No, and and you can consider that Krem scraped through to the playoffs, like they they were the last team to qualify, and now looking uh, like a real contender. Now that they have yeah. Anna Gross, uh, what are your thoughts in general on? On this, it's it's a very unusual situation related to the war in Ukraine that players from the Russian clubs could transfer if, uh, and in this case, be able to play for their new club, which wouldn't be the case usually. Um, it's, you know, there were some things I saw on our social media, I think, well, one or two people saying that it felt a bit unfair, but... It, is it something even worth discussing in this scenario, which is unlikely, hopefully is never going to happen again? It's almost like one of those things where I feel like I almost agree with both sides. I'm like, yeah, it's unfair for the teams who didn't get grass mm. uh, walking into your team. But at the same time, for the players themselves, for their sh- season to be cut short because of a war that they have no kind of control over, they also have a right kind of to play and finish and have a go at picking up a medal or making it to the final four. So it's, yeah, it's one of the, I think it's one of those things where I can almost, I almost can see the arguments for both sides. But to just bench players like Anna Gross, uh, Beatrice, uh, Edvige or Grassati for the whole season and not see them perhaps playing at final fours, I think you need them there. Um, so congratulations to Krim, who've gone from complete outsider to be looking like a, one of the favorites for the final now. Uh, it's really coming together for them because they were, Improve and also as the season went on. So this boost of the player like that coming back has just yeah. absolutely won the lottery. I think it's probably a bit much to allow the players to play in the Champions League in the competition that they have already played for a previous club. You know, you can still allow players to move to clubs that aren't participating in the Champions League. For As an example, so let's say they play in the European League and let them play that. Or they can move to a Champions League club, but only play in a different league, for example. I think that is a more fair solution. I think overall, to be honest, I think it's been handled in a weird way, the whole competition, with the fact that both of the Russian teams were 
uh, kicked out, but then weren't replaced by a, a team. They were basically the, so who was it? It was CSM Bucharest who just got a buy. It seems like a bit of a weird handling. And it's, as you said, it kind of throws around um, a lot of power in the competition and might change it completely where, you know, you could just, I think you could have handled it a bit smoother, but here we are. Um, at least it's an exciting competition. Uh, and uh, looking forward to what can happen. Yeah, and Mets picking up Gras Sadi, you mentioned there as well, Brian. Uh, they're looking good to based on, on this whole scenario as well to go straight to the Final Four as they beat Borussia Dortmund by eight in the first leg, 30-22. And uh, because they're not going to face Rostov Don, if they manage to hold out in the second leg, they go straight through to the Final Four. So... Yeah, it's all all a bit odd. You have to be good at if you're Dortmund, for example. Oh yeah, I think, you know you, you have a bit of a chance. First, you have a chance to go through to the final four with one game, so that's that's a bit of a you know that that's something good for you. And then your opposing team gets potentially the best player in the world in Grassetti, and you're done. So it's just it just uh, seems like an absolute mess to you. Yeah, and on top of all of that, you had Erling Haaland giving you a shout-out for people to buy tickets and come see the game, and you still couldn't fill up the hall. I was just like, oh, double whammy. Well, I thought, I thought, the, I thought the, the atmosphere was pretty good for that game. Although the atmosphere was pretty good, but it's a lot of empty seats still, and I was just like, ah. Yeah. They got the big, one of the biggest stars in football to give a shout-out to get tickets and everything, and then you really thought everything was coming together nicely. We've seen them in the past pull off big results, but just way off the pace then yeah. in that game. Yeah, it was I mean, pity. Probably the, the, the only really good game, obviously, was the Odense Brest game. I don't know what you saw that, but yeah. I mean, I wouldn't say it was a good game of handball by any means, but it was basically uh, penalties every every 30 seconds. I, I, can't, I lost count. I was doing the live blog for it, and every time I went on to look at it, there was odds and there were penalty. And I was coming up on screen. There was something like Brest had seven penalties in the first like 20 minutes. Mm. And it was just like absolutely bonkers. The ball was give the ball to Fopa, she'll turn, someone will be standing inside. And that seemed to all, all they seemed to be doing for the, the majority of the game. So I don't see them as final contenders or title contenders by any means, but it's probably going to be match of the week for the next round, I'd imagine. Yeah, and, that has uh, been confirmed. Yeah, that's oh, it has, okay. Yeah. Okay. The prize for the winners of that, Jer. So it must be pretty. <laughs> it must be pretty sickened, like when you look yeah. at the, what you know. You look at Mets and uh, Dortmund. The winner goes straight through to the final four, and then probably the tightest of the last sixteen games. The winner of that gets Dure in the quarterfinals. That's it's tough. Yeah. So congratulations on your last game of the season. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, ah, but look, who knows? Yeah. Do you know, if, if, if I'd fancy. I mean, Brest, Brest versus Dure. You know, it could be a bit of a scrap. And who knows there? And maybe Sandra Toft. Year. Maybe Sandra Toft on the back of her winning the World Handball Player of the Year just has an absolute stormer yeah. against her her new her, her upcoming uh, transfer club. In that Odense Brest game, we also get a huge matchup of Altea Reinhardt versus Sandra Toft, both of which had a pretty mediocre game in the first one. But uh, that's a bit exciting to have those yeah. two on opposing teams for once. Yeah, because I, I opened up the, the live blog as well. I said, today is going to be the showdown of the keepers. We have Sandra Toft on one side and an absolute the quietest games ever. And I was like, oh, God, that looks, well, I thought that was a shoe in for a good performance yeah. from your, some, one of them at least anyway. But in the first half, uh, Althea Reinhardt got smacked in the face by Nia Kate and then came off. So, yeah, yeah, I think she, you know, she, I know. And ironically, 
Alicia Toublanc, who did it at the World Championship, was on that breast team. She didn't do it though this time. Her teammate did. Yeah, it's not. Yeah. Oh, it's not funny. That's the one to look out for definitely this upcoming weekend in terms of the the playoff games. And we have the men coming up this midweek as well. Brian and I are going up to sunny Elverum for Elverum against PSG. I didn't look up the temperature. What is the temperature in Elverum at the moment? Because I'm quite enjoying the summer vibes down here in Vienna. Am I, am I in for a big shock now when I uh, head north? Well, all, all I know is that uh, a friend of mine is uh, planning on going up to that part of the country next week for some skiing in their winter cabin. Ah, so pack, so. The, pack, pack the jackets. <laughs> <laughs> pack the thermals, Brian. <laughs> oh god okay <laughs> yeah. it's a ch- change of mindset but i think it's gonna yeah it's P- uh, psg it's elvram's first time to play a playoff game at home because obviously last season they played two away games wasn't it in barca so it's going to be a big occasion for them i mean look who knows i i, I think it's gonna be a close game i do feel like that i think elvram at home like that and we know psg can be very up and down and obviously psg won't have michael hansen either so i expect a pretty a pretty decent performance in that home leg at least anyway i'm not sure about in paris then but for this first one, I think yeah. Elrum have, have at least good 60 minutes in them anyway. Yeah, you'd hope so. And it'll be a nice game with Tobias Grundall and Luke Steins running the shows in the center of attack. Hopefully it's a it's a good high-paced game as well. I think that's why it was set. You know, it's gu- guaranteed good atmosphere, completely packed out hole. Elrum will, like this is, they said it themselves immediately. It's like, this is the biggest game in our 76-year history. This is a, a real chance for them to to show what they're made of. They know they're not going to qualify for the quarterfinals, but uh, they can at least make a good a good attempt at it in the first leg. And of course, PSG will be missing Nicole Hansen, um, which is some tragic news that came out over the last week um, that a blood clot was uh, found um, in his lungs, which uh, potentially originated from his knee surgery earlier in the year. So, um, quite tragic for Michael Hansen to end his career uh, with PSG, a whole 10 years um, to end it sidelined, uh, which is a real pity. Um, but hopefully everything is okay with him going forward. Um, it seems like he might be up for five, six months. And I don't know, in other sports, it's been a real mixed bag when we talk about blood clots. You know, some players do come back, some never never get back on the court so we really um have to just hope that he does come back and uh comes to all and kind of brings them to the next level as they expected but a real pity for psg but in general i don't think he is that much of a loss um for psg's chances in the champions league with the way that he has been set up for them and the way that you know they use him you know, I don't think it changes dramatically uh, their approach. Of course, a lot depends on Randy, who is coming back from his tragic injury as well. So, uh, pretty, uh, pretty, pretty dramatic stuff for PSG these days. Yeah. I had to fact check you there a little bit, Alex. I was like, ten years? That can't be right. I looked it up. He's like, he's ten years at PSG. That's, where did they, where did that time go? He was the OG. PSG player, you know, I like yeah. the new PSG. He let, once the money from AG Copenhagen disappeared, he followed the money into Paris. <laughs> and was, a smart businessman. <laughs> and now he's going to Alborg. Yeah, he knows, uh, 
Yeah, so hopefully, and and if he does come, like if we assume everything will be okay and he's fully fit, like what a time in your career also to take six, seven, eight months off and then join a new club and hopefully be fully fit for them. So we could see like a revolutionized Miguel Hansen for Alborg. But um, yeah, no point in uh, in speculating there. Elsewhere in the uh, playoffs, we have Flensburg-Seged, Porto-Montpellier, and Vardar versus Vesprem. Which of those games jump out to you as uh, exciting ones? Oh, it has to be Vardar Vesprem with David Davies going back to his old club. I think that story there is uh, the juiciest of all. And I expect a bit of a scrap and a bit of a battle there. Um, that's just an interesting one for me because I think if David Davies does a job over Vesprem, that's just, that, that would be incredible. Uh, but the hardest one to call, I think, for me has to be SG Seged. I think it's very difficult to know where exactly SG are at at the moment because they've been so up and down. So that, for me, is a bit of an unknown quantity as it stands right now. Yeah, I, th- I think in terms of Veshram, I, I think they should be strong enough to to take care of Varder. Um, I don't know, we, we've seen a bit of invigoration in, in this Varder team, but when you're comparing squads, it, you know, there's really nothing to uh, to say that Varder can stand a chance. But I don't know, Veshram are just really weird. They they look fantastic one week and they just look terrible the next so who knows who knows it with the first leg in Skopje you hope that they a bit like Elver and PSG they'll give it a good fight and then Vesprem should get the job done after that but then there's I think really two tight games I mean you, you said they're Flensburg Seged Brian um Seged should be slight favorites but Seged always seem to really like I don't know it's a kind of mental block when they face German teams in the knockout rounds. So see, I seem to recall like them always losing to Kiel. And uh, here we have Flensburg, who yeah, themselves have just been... It's a, it's a game of a couple of really weird teams. I'd have to put Seged slight favourites there, but you can't write off. Yeah, I don't know. After putting all my chips in on Hungary at the Euro and that falling all apart, I somehow feel like I feel sort of similar about Zegid now as well. I'm like, there's a few characters in there as well who are central stage for the Hungarian team. And I'm like, mm, not really so sure <laughs> anymore. And it wouldn't be that crazy if Jim Godfrey steps up and then has an incredible game as well. So it's that's a very hard one to call. As for Porto Montpellier, you'd imagine Montpellier should do the job, but... We've we've sung the praise of Porto many times this podcast, but then also kind of doubted them at the wrong moments. So yeah, they yeah, pulled off some this good, is... good results, haven't they? Like good away mm. results as well, drawing and uh, Vesprem. Montpellier are a team that aren't like indestructible at mm. home. So even if it's a really tight first leg, you, you see that one as like almost being a really dodgy twenty three twenty three first leg game, and then but there's no guarantee that Montpellier will take control in the second. Yeah, but Montpellier are not good this year <laughs> they, they've really not been good at all um but uh, it, it's a really tough one to call and um, porto might not be in the champions league next year they lost to sporting in the portuguese league so this might be a, a huge game for them but they'll, one of those teams is going to come out and face kielsa and get destroyed so uh i uh <laughs> Thanks for the nice season, boys. That's a lot of confidence in Kielce. It's it's really interesting because it really came down to that last game where 
Chiesa, PSG and Barcelona finished and kind of what bracket they ended mm-hmm. up with. And, you know, we're talking about PSG having to play Elverham and then Kiel uh, potentially for a final four spot while Chiesa uh, got through and then play Porto or Montpellier much easier. Right. Let's talk about the big one, though. We said we'd do it under 30 minutes, so we have like three minutes to talk about this. The European League tomorrow night as we're recording it. Fucks of Berlin against Nantes in the last 16. Yeah, that's that's too good for the last 16, let's be honest, isn't it? That's uh, that's like a Final Four pairing. That's, a, that's almost a shame, isn't it? I feel like yeah. at this early in the season. That's a Champions yeah. League quarterfinal. I think the European League diehards would want Nantes to win because they don't want to see too many German teams in there. But I think no matter what, it's like the winner of this is probably going to face Magdeburg, right? So it's just like, it's <laughs> it's the gauntlet just to even get to the EHF finals. You can see now obviously a massive step up then from the from the EHF Cup when you've seen pairings like this so early on. Yeah. Uh, but it, it's very, that Nantes, folks are going to almost, I, I don't know how, you, that's going to be such two, two really, really close games, I'd imagine anyway. Um, very, very difficult to call. But then up facing uh, Magdeburg afterwards, and even Magdeburg Sporting is a really good game too. Yeah. Um, there's so many, so many good, uh, good head heads there. I mean, Potsk playing playing Lemgo's also not to be not to be a sniffed at. Potsk have been they've really impressed me, and I, I said this coming out of the European Championship because it seems to be a lot of Potsk players that really showed up. You know, Tillusin our our favourite. Uh, up and coming young player. He's, he's been fantastic. Like Kosaratov, um, absolute star for them. So I've been really impressed with Klotsk and I think they have a nice little run to, um, the final four there as well, playing Lemgo and then either, either Sevehoff or Kadenshakas. Yeah. And Giogi have a decent run in as well, right? Uh, Bidasoa Irun in the last 16 after their kind of heartbreaking exit last year and also the fact that the players are a lot of players are leaving at the the end of this season i feel like it's kind of a last hurrah for them uh to get some titles in really because they they just lost the danish cup final yesterday still have the danish league to fight over and the european league it would be a real pity if that team doesn't get something big this season yeah, it's, it's kind of incredible that they can lose a player like Matthias Giesel and still, they're still top of the Danish league. They lost by three to Alborg in the Danish Cup final. And they still won their remaining games in the group stage here. It's, it's, it's just a testament to the amount of young talent they have, like Emil Massen, who has been another revelation. They just, they just keep coming. So. Um, wouldn't count them out, but it's going to be much tougher for them without Aggies. Anything else to, to throw in there before we wrap up? I think we should check in with the Bundesliga a little bit, uh, where there was a huge game between Kiel and Magdeburg uh, last weekend, and Magdeburg finally lost the game after after an incredible run both in the league and everywhere. They've just been absolutely dominating everyone. They lost by five, 30-25 to Kiel, who were actually, that was a game fighting for their life because 
A week before that, they had lost to Fibs of Berlin. Right now, as it stands, uh, we have Magdeburg on top with 44 points, Kiel with 40, and Fuchs of Berlin on 39 points. But Fuchs of Berlin have a game in hand on Kiel. So if Kiel had lost that game to Magdeburg, they would have been a point behind Fuchs and uh, a game in hand for Berlin. So huge game for them, but they stepped up. They did the business, and now now they're breathing down Magdeburg's neck. So uh, the, the Bundesliga is pretty exciting at the moment. Uh, we just don't talk about it too much. <laughs> so you, you said that Yiga's job is safe then for another year. Thankfully, he won that game. Otherwise, I would have had a bit of work out. There'd have been some more tweets. <laughs> Imagine if the Peel don't qualify for the Champions League. That's the it, it could still happen, yeah. I mean, uh, Berlin are still a point behind only and a game in hand. And yeah. Fix of Berlin are powered by. A 41-year-old Igor oh God! <laughs> Talk about <laughs> wild transfers. <laughs> I mean, surely, lads, you could find a good defensive specialist somewhere. I, I, I mean, Beatrice Advige was available. <laughs> <laughs> I don't what know. Was it, when was the last time he played? It was, it was a good few years. 2018 yeah, like, for Zagreb. Almost four years ago. That's uh, crazy. He's been That's a coach. Plan. He's been a coach for Zion. Like, what? I don't know. Dig him out. This is definitely <laughs> Stefan Kretschmar just calling his old mate. I mean, I, I yeah. have a feeling Stefan Kretschmar could do a job in defense just as well as Igor Vori at this stage. Uh, that was wild. Igor Vori's played two games and three, two minutes so far. So let's, uh, let's see how it goes. No goals. Uh, well, yeah. Well, on that note, we'll wrap it up for this quick one. Uh, we'll be back with another one very shortly as we uh, catch up on the, the results we've seen or results we see over the next few days. Alex, thank you very much. Brian, thank you very much. Thank you. And we'll see you next time, folks. All right, cheerio. Bye-bye. Yeah.